God bless you. Another podcast day here. Hey, we're in a little different background today, a little different setting. We're actually in the sanctuary. We've kind of, not kind of, we've made this the new studio on Tuesday mornings, and maybe we might even add a morning. I'm really enjoying these study times together, but let me pray for you, and let's just believe God this morning together. Lord, help us. We need heaven's help today uh, more than ever before. We need uh, God encounters like never before. Lord, may we gain revelation, insight, uh, understanding concerning your scriptures. May it be liberating to us. May there be freedom in it today. In Jesus' mighty name, I take authority over and bind up every lying, deceiving spirit that would try to lie or deceive us out of the truth. In Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Oh, great Holy Spirit, come now, uh, help us, empower us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And we thank you for ministering spirits, angels being released on our behalf to go with us throughout this day, to go before us in Jesus' mighty name, we pray, amen. Once again, God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. We have a great crowd uh, here this morning. If you would take uh, your word of God, out, your Bible out, and turn with me into Timothy quickly. I want to get into and, and talk to you about uh, the secrets of the kingdom in Matthew, but I want to convey to you first how important it is to protect the word of God, the integrity of the word of God in these days, especially these last days. Uh, once again, when you hear that term, uh, I by no uh, way am prophesying a date. It, we're just simply saying we have Bible evidence. When we talk about the last days, we're talking about uh, the last days of this dispensation, which is the church age, uh, and we are living in the last times, the last hours of this church age. Now, uh, when is that going to end, preacher? I can't tell you that because God said it's reserved for him to know in him alone. Uh, he does give us some clues to and, and list, actually, Jesus did in the Gospels. He said there'd be wars, rumors of wars, and there'd be famine, uh, there'd be weather patterns, odd weather patterns. Uh, let me tell you right now, and I don't even think people perceive how odd uh, the weather patterns are uh, right now. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, and a couple of months back, Fort Lauderdale was underwater. The airport was underwater, downtown was underwater. Now, I had to grow up there my whole life, and I know, Scott, you're here. That's not normal. Sam, you're from Fort Lauderdale, too. That's not normal. That's, a, that's an odd weather pattern. I, I saw a little thing come up on the news today. Vermont's flooding now. Parts of Vermont are underwater. You know, why? Where's this water coming from? Uh, could it be, uh, you know, prophecy coming to pass? Uh, more warning signs to what's to come? Well, that's what the Bible says, so we're just going to have to go with the Word of God. If it's, if it's abnormal, number one, it could be demonic. Uh, however, we can also see abnormalities in Bible prophecy that give us clues to where we're presently at. The world is, is coming unraveled right now. Uh, even some Christians are fighting and contending right now because when you get involved with the world, you get involved with that, you know, the unraveling, that rapid unraveling. But if you stay under the protection, the canopy of God, uh, there's a promise of God of provision, of comfort, of protection, and on and on it goes. But let's look at the scripture here in First uh, Timothy, the fourth chapter, the first verse. It says, now the Holy Spirit uh, is expressing to us that in the latter days, the last days of this dispensation, the church age, which we're presently in, 
uh, some believers are going to leave uh, their very faith. And they're going to leave because they're going to be seduced, deceived by certain spirits that are going to seduce them and deceive them with demonic doctrines. All right. Now that was my embellishment or amplification of that scripture. So you have to reread that, hear that to get that again. But it's very simple. There's demons on an ass- on assignment. Now, if you're a believer and you can't figure out and can't comprehend the concept of demonic influence, uh, I-, I feel for you because Hollywood has got a better grip on demonic influence and the operations of demons than most church or, or Christian people. Then that should not be so. God put it in our Bible, not that we worship them, not that we fear them, not that we honor them, not that we glorify them. However, that we have an understanding of who we're fighting and how to engage and how to win in these battles. Uh, so if you go look at Hollywood, now I don't watch horror films. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I never have, even as a child. I've never liked horror films. I don't like to be afraid, uh, especially of the unknown. Uh, but if you see how they depict characters and you study Ezekiel, you study even angels. A lot of people, if you go study what Ezekiel said, how angels look, they don't look any way, shape, or form that we portray them to be in, in our artwork and our drawings. Like you got one, a wheel inside a wheel uh, with spokes. You got another one that the, the, the Bible talks about that's like eyes with no body. So you look at these magnificent beings that God created for him and us, uh, but they're not weak, little, fat, you know, beings with, with you know, feathery little fly around and, and shoot, you know, Cupid hearts. Uh, these are, are, are warring, ministering, fierce spirits that God created for him, number one, and number two, for his children. Uh, amen. But there, there are demons. There's a demonic realm. Uh, there, there's, there's the heavenlies above us in which Satan tries to rule and reign. And that's where he travels in the airwaves. That's in the a realm of, of our hearing in the realm of our perception, the eyes and the ears are the gates to our soul. That's how we gain knowledge information to make us who we are. Uh, whatever, uh, the, the majority of the information you possess is what makes you you. If you focus on certain information, let's just say you want to study uh, a Viking or Vikings and you just study, and you listen how Vikings live, and you listen, and you, and you, you, you watched, and you heard, uh, you'll begin to morph, not, not supernaturally, uh, but you'll begin to make changes, you yourself, and begin to take on and act like what you yield yourself to. Uh, that's why when people, you know, you fight for your kids, don't let your kids get around drug addicts. Don't let your kids get around alcoholics. I don't care if they're uncles, aunts, grandpas, grandpas. Keep them away from demon-influenced people because in a demonic influence, number one, there's supernatural influence. Number two, they're going to pick up imagery and and they're going to have to contend with that image or that information that entered in their eye gates and their ear gates. You know, I I had an uncle years ago that uh, was a very uh, amazing person. I'm just an amazing help. He wasn't a Christian. Uh, but he loved humanity, loved people, helped everybody, you know, helped everybody any way he, he could possibly help. Feed them, money, pay rent, just on and on it went. But he was, he was a, a, I don't want to say this to be rude, 
but he was a dirty person, not dirty, filthy, uh, just a lot of women, uh, alcohol, uh, you know, just a lot of trouble in his past. Well, he was my great uncle, and he did a lot for our family, so I always looked up to him. Well, when you look up to someone and make someone like that your hero, not only do you take the good characteristics, but in with those are the bad characteristics. So you have to be very careful what you allow your children and your grandchildren to be around the spirit of things. There's, there's a, a spirit of all things. And if you put them in a room uh, where there's a spirit of, of ungodliness or antichrist spirits, uh, they're going to have to contend with them. That, that means they're going to have to answer them. They're going to either receive them or combat them. There's no neutrality when dealing with the spirit realm. You can't go in, and, and it'd be like this, and I hate to even use these terms, but it'd be like going into a, 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 a nudie club. I don't even know how to, how to soften that and, and think I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be neutral. No, you're, you're not going to be neutral. Uh, you're, either, you're either going to comply with the, 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 that spirit and in compliance, you're going to act like everybody else under that influence, or you're going to get just crazy angry, and you're going to leave, you know, run out, kick the door out, and start rebuking people. Now, that, that's where you're going to be, but there'll be no neutrality. You're not going to sit there neutral and not be affected by, come on, are you here, or, or not contend with. Uh, so the Bible says we're contending now, even you, even me, we're contending daily with uh, demon spirits, de demonic influence like never before. I've never seen now, I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years, been in uh, paid ministry uh, for almost 30 years. I started preaching in the streets of New York City in 1992. I got married in 1994, so I've been around, uh, was the chaplain of, of, of my high school in 86-ish, right around that time. So I've been a, a part of the Bible, part of church, almost the entirety of my life. Uh, I was in church. I think my mom said I, when I was two weeks old, she brought me into church, and, and the rest is history. My point I'm trying to make, even I have to contend with the enemy, and he, he's even contending for my soul. Amen. Now, it, it might not be as, an, as uh, so apparent to someone who's severe or more mature spiritually because, uh, you know, we've just chosen to arise rise beyond certain levels of attack. Are you still here? Can you say amen? Uh, but to, to, to think we don't have an enemy and to think that I don't have to overcome things daily would be incorrect. So I'm going to give you some tools here in just a moment. I want to give you a few more scriptures uh, concerning where we're presently at. I like to remind uh, people where we're presently at so we really know where we are. Second Timothy 4, uh, just a couple pages back, it says, uh, I charge ye therefore uh, before God and the Lord. Now this would be Paul talking to Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ uh, who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now he says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Now, now here's where we want to get. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Circle they. Who's they? Now, if you used to, Timothy's a preacher. Uh, Paul's the superior, the apostle. If, they, if he's referring to they and they being church folks, 
because Timothy is the pastor of church people and they used to listen, but they're no longer listening and or receiving sound doctrine. We can say these are believers. These are church believers. These are ministry of helps people. These are good people. Are you still here? Now, if we were to go back to the previous scripture I read, what happened to them? They were seduced with what? Uh, an evil. You know how seduction doesn't only work uh, to, to intrigue your appetite for a certain thing. But in, in a seducing spirit, he'll use something that's godly to aggravate you away from. Uh, yeah, no, this is how things work. Uh, like, uh, uh, like I've had people say to me, you know, Pastor, what's the deal with tattoos? Now my stance on tattoos, uh, you know, I used to be a little harder with them. But then the Lord showed me, it's real simple, it's like kicking a dead horse. Someone's got a tattoo, they got a tattoo, they can't really change it. And you don't want to make anybody feel bad. But if you ask me about tattoos, I'll tell you the truth. But then in telling you the truth, I'm not telling you you're damned or, or, or you're cursed for the rest of your life. But I will tell you, you know, where they come from, the, the source, the birth of tattoos, so on and so forth. Well, then people will take that and allow that, that demon spirit uh, to turn, them, turn me and them against each other, and they'll leave the household of faith with a false excuse that they have a reason to leave. No, that's just a demon spirit trying to get you away from God. They're not trying to get you away from me. Uh, I'm just a, a, you know, a connection between you and God. They're just trying to get rid of the connector because they get rid of the connector. You have no hold anymore. And that's the importance of the church. You know, the church without the Holy Spirit has nothing. The church without power has nothing. But the intent of the church, God intended the church to be a place of power with connective ability uh, for the people to connect and the, and the person to connect, the pastor and the people, to make a connection. And in that connection, there's a stronghold, a heavenly stronghold to where Satan can't freely come and pick off or take out who he desires. But uh, back to this, he said the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, if they weren't, they, if they're not going to endure it, what changed? Just think about that. If they used to endure something, but now they're not enduring it, what's the, what, what's the changing element? What's the changing factor? Like uh, what, what showed up all of a sudden? And I'll tell you what showed up is a demon influence contending with your soul. And the way they contend is information. If they can appeal to you, make an, I'll say it like this. If a demon can make a stronger appeal to you, uh, for your soul than the preacher, if a demon, do you understand what an appeal is? Like, like if I appeal to you uh, and make a strong appeal, uh, an, an effort uh, to get something in you, an effort to turn you with information, an effort to, to cause you to believe a certain way. Well, well if for some reason uh, the, the, uh, the demon's appeal to you is greater than the preacher's appeal to you, because that seducing spirit uh, got you angry about something. Come on, I'm preaching every single person in here because everybody deals with it. I, I've, I deal with it with my man of God and my pastor. I have a pastor. I deal with the same thing. It has nothing to do with my pastor. It has nothing to do with the household of faith. It has everything to do with a lying, cheating, demon spirit that Satan has released in this hour that Paul was warning the church about. 
And he said, Timothy, the only way to combat this is to preach sound doctrine. Uh, hold on to sound doctrine. Uh, reprove, rebu rebuke, uh, teach the Word of God. Be instant, in season, out of season. Don't bend. Don't quit. Don't leave. No matter if they leave you, you have to convey my Word to the people because that's the only freeing agent that we have or ability that we have is within the Word of God. Uh, say amen to this. So uh, now let's go because I want to give you some secrets that Jesus gave, and he even calls them secrets in Matthew 13. Go to Matthew 13. So let's settle that. Uh, we're in a fight. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. If you don't like to fight, you better learn how to fight. A lot of people say, "I just I want peace." No, that that's a myth. You, that's like that's I don't know. That's weird little to think that we're all just going to get along and everybody's going to be happy and humanity's going to sit down at one big table and have one big dinner and there's going to be no fussing and fighting. I got, like when we sit down at my family table, there's like 12 of us and you could barely keep peace with 12 family members, let alone strangers, can someone say amen. And we even try. We pray. We pray in tongues before. We, we lay hands on everybody, hoping that everybody's just going to behave for the day. And the whole world's just going to sit down and be happy. Demon-driven people, God-driven people, people that think they're neutral, people that think they, 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 their genders are all confused and everybody's just going to be happy and eat at the table of God. That's wrong. That's demonic. Oh, glory to God. But in the 13th chapter here, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It's really beautiful out of the Amplified. Starting in verse, I guess I can start in verse 1. We have a few minutes together. We'll go through some Bible time. It's not going to hurt you, that's for sure. Uh, Jesus here, verse 1, let's go here. The same day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting beside the Sea of Galilee, but such a large crowd gathered around him, he got into a boat and sat and positioned himself as a teacher. While the whole crowd stood on the shore, he told them many things, parables saying, listen carefully. A sower went out to sow seed. Now, now here when you hear the word sow seed, don't think of money uh, he, he's talking about seed words. Everybody say seed words. Uh, you, you, if you figure out seed time and harvest words, seed time and har uh, harvest money will be no problem. But we're talking about words. Parable saying, listen, a sower went out to sow seed in the field, words. As he showed some seed fell by the road between the fields, the birds came and ate it. The other seed fell on rocky ground. They did not have much soil at, at once. It sprang up because they had no depth of soil. Uh, but when the, the sun rose, it was scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell on among the thorns, and the thorn came and choked them out. Other seed fell on good soil and yielded grain some hundred times as much as was sown. Some sixty times as much as was sown, some thirty. And he have ears to hear, let him hear uh, what my words say. Now, here's where I want to get 10. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the crowds in parables? Uh, Jesus replied, and here's the title of, of what I'm doing today, uh, to give you secrets. It's found in 11 and 12. Jesus replied to them, saying, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Now, just pause here for a second. God's given you the ability in the new birth experience, your spirit has been quickened, gone from death to life. You now have the ability to perceive, to see, to hear beyond your natural ability. 
God said that. Jesus said that through God, his word. Uh, he, he said, it is for you to know the secrets, or I've reserved, I've reserved the secrets of the kingdom of God for you. But for them, it's not to know. Remember early on, I, I, I said this, uh, the only part of the, the Bible that's for the non-believer is salvation in Jesus Christ. The rest is reserved for you lest they receive Jesus. Then that becomes the access point of everything else God has for them. Are you still here? Can you say amen? So now in verse 10, they ask, why do you speak in parables? Verse 11, uh, so that you can receive the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven that have been given to you, the knowledge of the secrets or the understanding. And then he says in verse 12 here, uh, hold on here, let me get this. For uh, whoever has spiritual wisdom, because he is receptive to God's word, to him more will be given, and he will be richly and abundantly supplied. But whoever does not have spiritual wisdom, because he have uh, devalued God's word. All right, let's hold on here. So we got, <coughs> we got knowledge and wisdom. Uh, knowledge is information. Wisdom is information or, or knowledge pressed in. Uh, knowledge pressed in means I have an understanding of that information. Uh, now, you can have information, not have an understanding. Uh, we have a, a, an entire, and, and, and I don't care what anybody thinks about this next um, sentence. We have an entire city that's supposed to be running the entire nation that has knowledge and have, have no wisdom. That would be Washington, D.C., have no wisdom at all, we can reduce them to a bunch of nitwits. So they, they, they hear, but it's almost like it stays here and it never penetrates down to the part of conviction. But God said here, uh, he, he said, you're going to get knowledge to you. It's knowledge, but it has to turn into wisdom, uh, pressed in, become the very fabric of your being. Uh, that's when the word of God and then he says because a lot of people are sitting there looking at him obviously and they're thinking well how do how do we get this then he says by placing a higher value on the word I, I love that the word value I, I like telling people you're valued because you are if, if you had no value I'll, I'll just give a little side thing here if you had no value uh, God wouldn't have sent his highest come on commodity his son jesus to die on the cross of calvary uh, he wouldn't exchange the blood of jesus for your blood if you had no value amen and a lot of people they think they're they're valueless or they de we devalue ourselves with the help of satan until we get clean well you can't get clean without god amen uh, so god put a value on you dirty Oh, come on now. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to the word. But, but God uh, loved us before we loved him. That's what the scripture says. So God saw you dirty and saw beyond the dirty. Come on, are you here? God saw you stained and saw you beyond the stain. What he really saw is the cleaning properties of Jesus. And he saw no limits in them. 
Uh, so he said, he, he looked at humanity and he said, they don't have an excuse because I have a greater cleaning agent. I have the ability to clean and remove any and every stain of humanity and I'm going to release it. But he didn't release it to you in your good state. Come on. It, it's like, I like, I like this. People are sometimes like this. They'll run from God till they get clean. All right, you can't get clean till you get to God. It'd be like this. And we've said this before, and I think Dr. Barclay is the one that, that said it first here. So we'll give Dr. Barclay credit today. Next time it's my credit. Amen. He said, it's like saying I can't go into the shower because I'm dirty. I have to get clean first. Where are you going to go? Get? <laughs> Hold on. Or, or, or I can't. Let's even go a step further because I used to take showers in the pool. I'd get a bar of soap. And I'd go in the pool and take a shower when we had a pool in the, in the pool. So you can have water to get clean if you have some kind of soap. But if you remove the water, you can't get clean. So don't wait to try to clean yourself to go to God. Go Run to God dirty. Amen. And, and the church teaches differently. The church teaches, oh, you're not, you're not worthy to come to God. Are you kidding me? The Bible says where sin abounds uh, so much uh, there is grace, more grace abounding there for you. Where there's a great sin, there's great grace to gobble it up. So what are you waiting on? Run to God. Run dirty. You need the shower of the kingdom of God. Uh, run to, hey, be happy you're dirty and be happy you're running in the right direction. If you're dirty and you're running away, be very sad. But I run to God when I'm dirty. Amen. And when I'm clean, I stay with God. But I'm not running away from him. Are you still here? Uh, so he said here, now you, you have knowledge. You have knowledge and that's great. But it would be like this. If we give a child, we've heard this before, we give a child, we're almost done, you've, you've, you've made it. If we give a child a loaded weapon, uh, now let me preface, is the weapon bad? No. Can the weapon kill someone you know, on its own? No. And on and on it goes. But if we give a child a weapon, uh, that would be knowledge. That's very dangerous. If we give a child a weapon without wisdom, that's very dangerous. But if we give a child the weapon with wisdom, now we reduce the ability of harm. Come on, are you here? And that thing that was harmful now can become a protector. Come on, are you here? Uh, same thing with the words of God. If you put value on the words of God and you take time to meditate the Scripture and value the Scripture, are, are, are we like completely and totally out of our mind to, to not understand anymore and to perceive the ability that God has given us with His Word to frame our very world, to bring about change in our life? You can take the Word of God. You can take a dirty man or a woman. Yeah, you can take, all right, all right my father... Sam knew my father a, l a little bit, uh, very little, you know, but uh, I wish my mother was here. But my father, you talk about, it went, to the, it went into the Marine Corps, uh, self-enlisted in, in 1965, came out in 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, somewhere around there, uh, five years he was in. Comes out of the Marine Corps, uh, a complete and total nut job. I come along the scene in 71, he's a complete and total nut job. Then somehow his Marine buddies come and live with us, and they run around the block like crazy Marines looking to kill everything and everybody. So glory to God. Uh, we grew up, he was one of the greatest dads. I, I, I only had one dad, but 
to me, he was a great father. You know, he loved us, cared, got us in church, took care of us, had a temper, but he's a great father. When I turned 16, uh, him and I couldn't be around each other. Uh, when I got, turned 17, it got worse. When I turned 18, it got worse. Like, if, if I, I would never lay a hand on my father, even in protection. Uh, there, it's impossible. I would never, ever, 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 ever fight back, ever. I just, uh, he instilled that in me, I guess. When I married Kim, I said, man, enough's enough. I want, I want a relationship with my father. Um, my first pastor, first Holy Ghost pastor, Pastor Ralph, begins to teach me the power of words and teaches me the prayers in Ephesians 1 and the prayers in Ephesians 3. I begin to pray and bring about in a complete change of a person in prayer with words, not even in his face, not even where he heard them. And I prayed, Lord, I pray that my father's eyes would be enlightened and open to know what the truth, what the love of God is, the calling of God on his life. And I went through that prayer. And I went through that prayer. Oh, come on. This is a good ending. Talking about the power of God's word. And I didn't see any change for about a year. Not a a glimpse of hope. Not light at the end of the tunnel. No change at all. And then my pastor says, "Uh, Mario Murillo's coming. uh, Until we had a big tent. Mario Murillo's coming. And I knew in my spirit I had to get my dad to that Mario Murillo tent. And I said, Dad, I've never asked you to do anything. I know you think I'm crazy because I was already talking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost, casting out devils, laying hands on people, so on and so forth. I've already, I already turned the corner. I was walking in love. He still had the chip on his shoulder. Mario Murillo comes. Night one, my dad shows up. He brings uh, uh, great friends, a neighborhood, childhood friends. Mary Jane, I think her husband Alan was there, uh, and my mom's there, and they're sitting together. Mario Marilla preaches, stands up, says you, never, doesn't know me, doesn't know my dad, says you, my dad says me, he says yes you, my dad, yes sir, stands up, you know, soldier mentality, hands beside his side. He says the power of God's on you tonight. Now my dad's a, a sold out Baptist against everything I believed in. No, no love, no kindness, just religion, religion, religion. He says, you stand up, and God's going to use your hands tonight. And he said, put your hands up. My dad puts his hands up, looks at his hands. And he goes, me? And he goes, you, your hands. He says, the woman next to you, not knowing my father was with her, you know, that she was a friend. He says, stand to your feet. She stood to your feet. She says, you went to the doctor today. The doctor said these five things about you. The, this is the, the, you know, the diagnosis uh, this, 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 is this correct? She begins to cry. My father, he tells my father, put your hand on her head, put her hand on her head. She flies backwards out. My father looks at his hands. I'm seeing a year of word coming to pass. I'm seeing the fullness or the completion of the prayers of the word of the declarations, the word of God working, the living word of God changing an entire human being. That's like when people say to me, well, you can't oppose someone's will. Well, I get what you're saying, but I opposed one, and I saw the change, a radical change. Come on, let me go further. So on and on that entire night, you, you lay hands, you lay hands. I leave the tent because I had to attend to Mario. That was part of my position or attend to whatever the duties my pastor had given me, Pastor Ralph. And my father's sitting there for like an hour looking at his hands, speechless. He 
uh, by and in his own self, radically gets filled with the Holy Ghost. The tent's gone. People are laying on the floor. Security's gone. Ushers are gone. Pastors are gone. Uh, people are gone. And there's like 20 people hanging out waiting for their loved ones that are out under the power of God that, my God, that God used my dad's hands. And, and, and he's sitting there and he starts praying in tongues. For, from that point in time, it was, I believe, four years that my father and I were best of friends before he died. I'm talking about lunch. I'm talking about breakfast, coffee, lunch, dinner. Uh, I, he wanted to be with me so much, I built him his own airboat. Him and I would go airboat side by side. He'd be in my airboat. I'd be in his airboat. We'd go fishing together. Lunch, breakfast, dinner. Lunch, breakfast, dinner. Vacation for four years. So we go from not being in the same room to the Word of God changing a human being completely and totally from the inside out. Don't tell me the words of God are not powerful. Don't tell me they can't change uh, or oppose someone's will. I saw it firsthand. Understand this. You have to value the Word of God. You can't devalue or think it's just normal or natural. You have to put a high value on the Word of God. When you begin to value the Word of God that way, It'll, be, it, it'll gain power or insight, uh, increase in your life. Uh, the words of God will begin to increase in your life. Can someone say amen to that? But that's what Jesus said. He said, uh, these secrets, the kingdom secrets are for you, but they're going to be found in wisdom or they're going to be found in you getting that pressed down into you. It becomes a belief system. Hey, uh, uh, pastor, are we going to mess up? Yes, you're going to mess up. Are you going to backslide? I hope not. Uh, are we going to sin? Sure, you're going to sin. Everybody in this room is going to sin before Jesus Christ comes. Uh, are some of the sins going to be severe? I hate to say it, but there are going to be people in this room that are going to have severe sins. What do I do, Pastor? Trust the Word of God and run with the Word and run to the Word. And don't leave it because within it are God revealing to you information uh, secrets, but to you, information, knowledge on what to do, how to overcome. Come on, are you here? Where to go, what to say, what to protect yourself, what demon, and on and on it goes. Wow, I hope this helps you. Uh, you know, I sure love these times together. I really do. I, I love helping people. I, I love bringing encouragement, enlightening people. It's just a part of my DNA and the calling of God on my life. Don't quit. Don't get frustrated. You know, uh, the, the Bible's very clear about emotions. Have sound emotions, biblical, scriptural emotions, and just choose to go forward with God. Pastor Rich Summerlin, I love you. We're out of time. Until next time, God bless you.